Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If- warriors, warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. What's up, everyone? It's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined with Adam Hill, our MMA writer, amongst other things at the newspaper, and including the pickleball champion. That's actually how I've named his uh, title today in this podcast, because he can go pickleball wherever he wants. We are brought to you by betonline.ag. If you guys want to check out the show and subscribe to it, head on over to reviewjournal.com slash podcast. That's where you'll find all of of our great content there for this show as well as if you still go to coveringthecage.com you can find all of the MMA news there at Review Journal as well to check out all of the things that Adam is putting out now first of all I just want to say aside from being a pickleballer uh, Adam Hill has ventured to many pickleball courts he also uh, is going to take on the challenge of flying cross country for this newspaper to go cover fights in Jacksonville. Adam, okay, first of all, you have to walk me through this experience of what it was like uh, looking for the proper airline to fly to Jacksonville on and just like getting that kind of approval with the company even to be able to go to cover these fights because that's kind of one of these things that right now the whole country is uncertain about what's happening. So being able to go out to cover these fights is really quite something. Yeah, first of all, I think I feel like we should owe the listeners uh, an explanation of our pickleball nonsense uh, <laughs> here at the beginning. Uh, we are in Nevada, as you know, a lot of people might know, with the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal, and uh, our governor Steve Sisolak has been, you know, giving us instructions on uh, what can be open, what can be closed, and just kind of uh, running the state and these general protocols. And somehow, some way, and I still don't know how this has happened. Pickleball has become like the most controversial thing going, and people were very, very adamant about getting their pickleball courts open. Uh, this has been an ongoing discussion. I have no idea what pickleball is. I, 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 I no, no clue. I tried to Google it, and it kind of looks like handball. Now, handball, I'm familiar with handball, you know, living on the East Coast for a long time, you as well. I'm sure you know what handball is, but like, is that kind of what this is? Is this like the West Coast version of handball? Well, first of all, I mean, there's different versions of handball. Like team handball is like soccer and water polo combined. <laughs> with like, it's, it's weird, but there's like some basketball elements. Yeah. And actually, team team handball is a sport that I've always thought the U.S. If we really wanted to like dedicate our best athletes, could be dominant. Like LeBron James would be the best team handball player in the history of the world. I feel like. Uh, that's team handball. Then there's like the other kind of handball. Like it's more like a, a squash. T- it's, it's very weird. Um, but yeah, pickleball is like tennis and badminton combined kind of. Uh, the court's like a tennis court, but like a smaller version. Uh, I Again, I'm describing something that I have no knowledge <laughs> of. So I could be totally wrong. This is from Google. But because it has become so controversial... Uh, after the governor announced last night that pickleball courts would be open, I immediately Googled pickleball courts and found one. 
and then went there and said, like, I'm ready for all challenges because it was an empty pickleball court or pickleball court. Nobody was there on four courts, uh, but that was all a joke. And this whole, like, listen, I guess people are happy they have pickleball back. I still don't know what it is. I will never play pickleball. I don't know who plays pickleball. I've never seen anybody play it, but apparently it was a big deal for people to get pickleball courts open. And uh, that's where we stand now. Uh, we don't have fighting in Nevada. We have pickleball, but no fighting. Well, I think you and I so, should yeah. get like a pickleball manual, and like we should go out and try to figure out the game of pickleball, and we should have ourselves a match. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot more. There's a lot more important things going. On. I don't. I don't know. I mean, listen. If you're a pickleball player, I'm sure you're thrilled today that you're allowed to go play. Uh, I also will tell you that yesterday when the courts were technically closed, they were, the nets were up and the courts were open and the doors were unlocked. Like I, I think you could have played if you really wanted to. Uh, but luckily everybody has their pickleball back. So the long national nightmare is over at least here in the state of Nevada, but yeah, no fighting and uh, we will have to go to Florida. So I guess you asked me about that. Yes. Uh, that's what we really talk about here on the show is uh, is the MMA world. And boxing. But Sam Gordon is actually yes. busy doing some interviews. He's talking with Mr. Bob Aram, a top rank today. So he won't be a part of the show today, but he's going to formulate for us something along the lines of an article and put together some interviews with that he's collecting right now about the boxing world and when its return could be and where it might be. So he'll be joining us next episode to break down all of that for us but Adam yeah I mean just seriously getting back to MMA and the fact that this sport is going to make its return here on May 9th and they announced a virtual media day on May 7th as well which should be really interesting I've never done anything like that I know I know nobody else really has even in the dark days of MMA when like the internet was the only thing and these chat rooms were the only thing really keeping this sport going as far as being known out to the masses, if you will, because it wasn't really as well known then as it is now. But it, the Internet's what kept the sport alive for the most part was people talking about it in that sense. So this sport born of the Internet starts a virtual media day here in Jacksonville as well. And that's taking place on Thursday, a couple of days before the fight. And it has 15 minute sessions for each fighter that's on the main card. So we'll be able to speak with them and, and also the featured prelim bout. But um just in terms of you trying to get down to Florida, like I, I'm serious, like want to know the process, like the airlines yeah. are doing so many different things right now. What was your process like of trying to figure out how you're going to get across the country? So, yeah, I mean, there's, first of all, just deciding to attend the event was, you know, the first decision because um, I, you know, it's a, it's a historic moment, I think in terms of, you know, the first to come out of this pandemic, th this is this is kind of a moment. Like, this is what you get into journalism for. And I know, you know, there are people that look at it and say, well, writing about fighting is not journalism, but it is. I mean, you're telling stories, you're um, trying to find, you know, information that the public should know, uh, not only in, in about the background and why the fighters are interesting and why they're entertaining and sharing their stories, because that's a big part of it, but also... You know, a story like this, why is the UFC doing this? How is this coming together? What protocols are they putting in place? Uh, all of those things are very relevant stories that I want to go work on. And I, I think it's important. Um, and I, you know, I've discussed the, the fact that I have immunocompromised people in my home, and this is not an easy, easy decision for me. Uh, I will have to, 
certainly, you know, put protocols in place during travel. And then when I come home, uh, I've already planned a whole lot of, uh, you know, changes to my life for the next two weeks right. uh, that are based around it. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's not an easy decision, but once I decided that I really wanted to go and, and, you know, had the backing of our, our newspaper to go and cover it and tell these stories. Um, yeah, I, I put in a lot of thoughts exactly how to get there. So, um, I will say one thing is that it's not that easy to fly to Jacksonville, Florida from no. Las Vegas. <laughs> it's not. Uh, there are flights. I've talked to actually a couple of fighters that are on brutal flights, um, that have to travel, you know, two, three stops overnight, sleep at airports. Like it's just not easy to get there. And, you know, I, I, w- I was looking at what the best option was. And actually to me, like being on a plane is probably not great in general. Um, but I, the thing I was most concerned about really was changing planes and being around a different group of people and, like that whole process of being at airports. And I wanted to eliminate that as much as possible. And there's no direct flights to Jacksonville. So I found a direct flight to Orlando. Uh, and it's only, a, you know, about a two hour drive from Orlando up to Jacksonville. So uh, I chose to do that. I'm going to fly to Orlando um, and drive up uh, just because it's much, much more convenient and much less, uh, you know, interaction that you're going to have with people. Uh I know that there's a lot of airlines that are, you know, trying to put some distancing protocols in place of no middle seats, that sort of thing. Um, I'm I'm researching all this stuff. Uh, Other airlines are, you know, requiring people to wear face masks. Uh, The social distancing thing is interesting on the plane uh, because you really can't distance enough. Like if you went aisle, aisle to window, it's really not enough room. Um, And in any way, like if somebody on the plane is infected, there's chances are it's, the air is going to be circulating anyway. Uh, so I, I don't know how important that part of it is. Uh, so, I, I mean, I was looking at that, though. I was trying to figure out which airlines have the best protocols in place. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the airline I settled on is, is not necessarily one of the better uh, protocols. But like I said, I think the nonstop flight is the more important uh, aspect mm-hmm. of things. So. Uh, I'm going to do that, fly nonstop, and then, you know, I've already made arrangements uh, with rental car and hotel where you don't have to actually go to the window. Uh, you can just, you know, I'm going to get off the plane. Uh, I'll have, I'll be taking my bag on the plane with me. Uh, I don't want it to have be out of my more people to handle it, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So uh, get off the plane, grab my bag, and go right to the car, get in the car without interacting with anybody uh, go to the hotel, uh, mobile check-in without interacting with anybody. Use the uh, the phone as the key, uh, basically. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm staying right next to the arena so that I won't be out and about at all. Uh, so all of those things, I mean, I've, I've thought about all of those things. And all those things are, um, you know, part of my, part of, you know, part of my decision, making it a more, a more easy decision. And, and like I said, I mean, you're, you're at risk no matter what you do. If you go get coffee, if you go to the store, like there's always risks. And certainly I've, I've accepted that there's risk in doing this. Um, but like I said, I, I think that I'm taking enough, uh, have, I have masks, taking those gloves, everything like that. So, I mean, I, I think that I'm being conscientious enough, uh, to limit, you know, some degree of, of the risk, but there's never, you know, there's never no risk. So I, I, I acknowledge that. And, I'm ready to deal with what I have to when I come home. 
Look, I got Clorox wipes here for sale. I got some uh, hand sanitizer for sale. No, I'm kidding. In all seriousness, if you need any of that, I'd be happy to stop by. But the reason I think it's important that you tell this story is because you have to think on this card, there are fighters who, like you said, are going to have to go through second screen type of issues when they go from airport to airport or who may not be able to stay as close as you are to where they need to fight versus where they need to train versus is where they need to do media so they're going to be having to look into all of those things and it's just the process itself to be able to get these cards to take off for all of the fighters involved and where they come from and you know proximity or not to how close they're going to be to the stadium and the more people that they're going to have to interact with that they can't get direct flights I mean that's something that's pretty insane when you start thinking about it and just how this is all going to come together it's just not a process just that's just your story you know, here you're going to have Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, these guys going through the same thing. Henry Cejudo, Donovan Cruz, I can go on and on and on. And a lot of these fighters like, you know, Cejudo uh, and even uh, Cruz, you know, they're not exactly that close to where this is happening. And Tony Ferguson, he's a California guy, you know, uh, Justin Gaethje, he's a Colorado guy. So these guys, they're coming from all over. And you have to take all of this into consideration and just how they're going to pull this off itself is going to be very interesting in light of testing protocols that they're going to put into place in light of how they're going to have USADA as well in the mix because I read yesterday uh, in an article with MMA Fighting that USADA is definitely coming back and the testing pulls back on so on top of coronavirus testing you have that type of testing you have other people who come from those walks and uh, commission areas that are going to be interacting with all of these fighters who've traveled and done all of this stuff so it's like really going to be crazy because somebody can be asymptomatic but if they have all the tests in place this is going to be I guess uh, you know how they break it all down it's going to be pretty crazy as far as how they pull this off keep everybody virus free and how this uh can work out as a model maybe for other sports that want to come back as well i mean you're starting to see like nascar for instance is going to be returning um you know, there's also going to be some other sports that are starting to make their comeback slowly trickling into May and June. Maybe we see some boxing, you know, it's going to be one of those things that how I think the UFC sets this up and pulls this off may set some sort of precedent for how the other organizations start handling what they do with their athletes, with their commissions, with people who are in place. But let's take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back here on the RJ ringside podcast with currently no nba nhl or mlb you might think there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong our exclusive partner bet online still has hundreds of events games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack they're bringing vegas to you missing the nfl no problem bet online has live daily madden nfl 20 simulations you can bet on you can still bet on survivor big brother american idol stock prices and even the nathan's hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours a day and all online use promo code blue wire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus bet online your online wagering solution welcome back to the rj ringside podcast it's heidi fang and adam hill and we're breaking down here what could happen 
in the scope of the big picture as the UFC makes its return here. Three fight cards taking place over eight days in Jacksonville, Florida. Adam Hill will be on the ground covering it. I'm going to do things from a virtual standpoint. We're also going to try to bring you some video interviews from those uh, digital interviews. Don't know how this is all going to work yet. And that's part of what's interesting to me is even the fighters that don't know how anything is going to work. For instance, Stipe Miocic, UFC heavyweight champion who has been uh, fighting fires, who's been doing everything that he can to help his community from working in the fire department to I believe he's also a registered paramedic. And just the things that he's been able to do is pretty amazing. And he's come out and said that he will not actually come back to fighting until this is all over until there's a cure he's going to maintain doing what he's doing and his stance is pretty interesting considering he's a guy that's on the front lines every day adam Um, what did you hear from stipe and what do you make about him saying that he's not going to compete at all until all of this is passed yeah i mean i think that's the key that he's on the front lines uh of of this battle and and while it hasn't been you know overly debilitating in cleveland and, and stipe said uh, that he hasn't seen uh, necessarily a ton of calls. He he's been on a few, and uh, and and had to go, um, you know, deal with uh, this this situation. So he's seeing it firsthand. And he just said, "Listen, he, it's it's enough for him in his everyday life, working in the field that he does." Which you know, I, I, yes, we are talking about a heavyweight champion that does still work his job, and he doesn't have to at this point. Uh, he he chooses to do it because he loves it and he enjoys it, but. Um, yeah, in his job, uh, he, you know, he sees it enough and he takes enough risks and he, he has a young daughter and and a wife and he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself in enough risk and my family in enough risk every day. I don't need to add to that. Uh, and there's no need uh, right now to rush back to fighting. He's, he's still recovering from an eye injury anyway, but, uh, there's no need to rush back when, uh, his services are needed elsewhere. And, and the, the country is still trying to come to, come to grips with all this and deal with all this. So. Uh, he just said there's more important things to fighting, which is is absolutely true. Uh, no, you know, no question about that. So, a uh, pretty admirable uh, stance, I think, and and probably, you know, I I don't want to say the right stance. I think it, it's different for every individual. Um, all all the people that are competing on the card uh, or on the three cards that are coming up in Jacksonville are doing it for a reason. Uh, they they believe that you know their their desire, their willingness to participate in this card exceeds whatever risk uh, they're taking or they're doing it for, for financial reasons or or anything or you know like me like I said I, I wanted to be a part of this because I wanted to tell the story and I wanted to um, you know tell this historic moment I wanted to talk about it and there's there's guys I'm sure that the main reason they want to fight on this card uh, is because they want to be a part of history it, it's going to be something uh, kind of different so uh, I think that's part of it that's a story that they'll always have I, I think all of these things are weighing into why some guys are fighting and, and why other guys are not. And I don't, I don't think either side uh, should necessarily be criticized. Um, you know, I've seen people going after fighters that have turned down fights, which is just ridiculous. Uh, I've seen people going after fighters running the car. Like, what are you doing? Why are you putting yourself and others at risk? Well, you don't know what their situation is. So, so I've, I don't think that's fair either. Um, I, I just think that everybody has their reasons for wanting to do this or not wanting to do it. And um, you know, they, they should, be able to tell that story and explain it if they want to, and they don't have to if they don't want to. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting that people are giving fighters a hard time about, um, you know, like you mentioned there, just because it's 
It's something like we don't know anything right now about this. Nobody is an expert on what the coronavirus is. We just know that it's spreading. It's something that we are trying to contain the best that we can. And, you know, some of these fighters, they have to make a living. So it's like, you know, when you turn down a fight, I think you're just doing it for your own safety, for your, obviously, you know, for your own family, for your own reasons. And I don't think that. Stipe should be taking flack for that. If anything, he should be applauded for doing everything that he can to help out his community. He's a is a firefighter and paramedic at the Village of Valley Fire. Say that three times fast. Village of Valley View Fire Department, and that's where he works out in Cleveland. And it's just where he's claimed many times this is where he feels most like himself, like his inner sanctum. So uh, Stipe Miocic, again, uh, out there doing everything that he can, 24-hour shifts, I'm sure, uh, to help kind of battle on the front lines, everything that's going on with uh, the coronavirus and still the baddest man on the planet. Another guy out there that's still trying to help out uh, his community and where he lives is uh, Connor McGregor. He's been going out and delivering equipment, and this time he did it at the Kremlin Children's Hospital. So that was something I'm sure was much needed. Uh, you know, Connor McGregor, obviously somebody a lot of people were talking about, uh, hoping to make a return here. Uh, but yeah, this that he's gone out to make a donation of medical supplies to Irish healthcare workers as well. This has all been stuff that he's been doing. Um, throughout he's gone to the cork hospital um and just various places so this is at least the third or fourth donation that he's made during this time and uh you know a lot of people do have a lot of things to say about conor mcgregor all the time it's just he's one of those polarizing names that you can't escape whether or not you mention his name somebody says something negative first or someone says about something positive first but in this case there's no denying that what he's done is pretty uh i guess uh magnanimous is the proper word, uh, generous, giving what he can to these communities and um, in Ireland, making sure that he pays it forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is when this is all over, if we see Conor McGregor again. I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Well, we'll see him at some point. I think I think he wants to get back in there. The, the problem is he has been waiting for that Tony Khabib fight, and we are not getting that, of course. Uh, I don't think we're I don't think we're ever getting that fight. So I don't think he's going to be able to wait for the winner of that. Uh, he will have either I think it's, it's interesting either Ferguson or Gaethje will emerge uh, from this fight uh, as a potential opponent. Obviously, there could be rematches there, and I, I think we're starting to feel a little bit more momentum toward Nate Diaz and Connor three as well. So I think all those are possibilities, and I I think that he's going to have uh, many different opponents to choose from as he always does when he does decide to come back. And I do think it'll be uh, at some point later this year, pr- provided uh, things get kind of under control with uh, with coronavirus. It was funny; Connor was one of the uh, one of the people, you know, first and foremost that was you know demanding Ireland lockdown and you know issuing orders to the government in Ireland, saying like we need to do this, we need to do this, and was taken very seriously. And then he kind of made fun of Khabib for not traveling the fight, which was very very interesting uh, part of this whole uh, mix. Uh, but then he also, you know, has been uh, kind of suggesting lately that they start to ease some some of the uh, restrictions in Ireland. So he's he's kind of been, uh, you know, he's been very opinionated about this whole uh, this whole process. And a part of that also has been the good that he's done, which I, I think is it should be applauded and should be recognized, even though it doesn't eliminate any bad that you do. Like if you, you know, if you do a whole bunch of bad things and do a couple of nice things, like it doesn't really 
make it any better. And, and I'm not speaking to him specifically, just in general. Uh, so I, I think there's people like, who cares? He's still bad. And then when he does things good, they're like, see, he's not a bad guy. Well, I, I don't, I think you can be both. And I think, you know, there's good and bad aspects of Connor. And this is definitely the good side. He's definitely very generous and, and, uh, and very thoughtful. And I think you're seeing that during this, uh, this pandemic. Someone who's been out there trying to rattle the cages of Conor McGregor and get him back in to fight is Paul Malinaji. He's been out there uh, talking about he could knock Conor out if they had a boxing match. Uh, This is something he had said here uh, just recently. He said, we both know what I did to Conor McGregor in the gym that day in 2017. He knows that he will get the beat out of him if he tries me. He gets stopped 100%. No doubt about it. And he said that via boxing scene. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's just trying to keep his name relevant and all of this. He always brings up that day in 2017 where, of course, he was sparring with Connor and Connor did get knocked down. Uh, whether it was knocked out or knocked down, you know, we could leave that up to the critics huh. to decide. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting that he should say that after he did fight uh, Artem, a training partner, Connor's in uh, bare knuckle boxing and he lost there i mean this is interesting that he comes up out of nowhere to bring this up again i mean this is something that's been ongoing do you think we would ever see these two in a boxing ring no <laughs> i mean it's, <laughs> there's a reason paulie malinaji is calling out connor it's because it would be the you know the paycheck of paulie malinaji paulie malinaji now you got me struggling to say it i know you've struggled with the uh, paulie malinaji's name in the past. it's just a mind the G wants to go before the L every time I have to say it slow. <laughs> right. uh, so I, I know that, uh, you know, in the, in the past they've had their, their runnings, but probably Malinaji would, it would be the biggest payday of his career. Like there's a reason he wants to call him out. Uh, it would be massive and it's his world. Like he's not calling Connor out for an MMA match, uh, which, you know, would be just destruction. Uh, he's calling him out for a boxing match. That's his world. And, uh, you know, trying to, trying to play to Connor's ego to, to really try to draw him into a fight, but I, I don't think I don't think Connor goes for that. He has way too many options. Uh, Paulie Malinaji does nothing for Conor McGregor. Uh, it just it's it's Paulie trying to make a paycheck, which is smart. Like I'm not criticizing him for that. It's, if, if there's anybody that that should bring you back to the ring, it should be Connor, and that should be what he's what he's going after. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense on Connor's end uh, to make that happen, unless you know he's really driven crazy by that you know sparring footage uh, and really wants to you know do something. So. Uh, I, I doubt it. Uh, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Connor has plenty of options. That's just not really one of them. All right. So as we wrap up things here, I just want to get back to the fight card UFC 249 and the other three fight cards taking place in Jacksonville uh, starting May 9th. Now, there's just in the you know recent talk here with media, there's been a lot of question marks as far as what the UFC is doing about health and safety. And uh, Dana White told Yahoo that he said he's of the belief that the less the media knows, the better when it came to COVID-19 testing. So have you heard anything from the organization, Adam, about their safety plans and whether or not they are going to be testing the athletes for coronavirus? Well, I know that was the plan for California. And I know the UFC has a, a, I, I actually feel like I know the number, but not well enough to, you know, to report it and put it out here. So I, they have a, a significant number of tests uh, for their athletes. And the plan in California was everybody to take a test before they left for the event uh, and then take another one when they get there. And then I believe they were going to try to do it when they left as well. Uh, so that was, that was going to be the plan that I think was in place there. 
Uh, I think it'll be the plan in Jacksonville as well, although we don't know. I did talk to a fighter yesterday that said he has not been tested uh, as of yesterday. So um, I, I think that's going to be part of their plan. Uh, that's another part of what I you know want to do that I want to talk about and uh, and go there and try to find out because uh, I do think it's important. And by the way, I think uh, I, I think that if you like the plan in California was to be at an isolated resort uh, that was closed at Tachi Palace and just have a very closed set, so to speak. Like nobody, like you tested and then you never left the premises. Uh, and, and they were, they kind of had their eyes on you the whole time of like, all right, nobody's leaving this hotel. Nobody's leaving the arena. Everybody is in a confined environment. Everybody that's here has been tested. And that is the best way to do this. If you talk to epidemiologists and virologists and, and people in that field, like they will tell you, this is the pathway back. If you listen to, you know, Dr. Fauci speak about it, uh, on the, uh, national coronavirus task force, like th- he, he is a sports fan and he's talked a lot about sports. And he has basically said, you know, we're not to that point yet uh, where we have enough testing to make this happen uh, because you don't want to be taking tests away from the public, which is something else the UFC is going to be criticized for. And I think that's why uh, they don't really want to talk that much about it. Uh, But, you know, when you're at a level where everybody has enough tests, you can definitely isolate the athletes, isolate the the production people, anybody that's going to be there, test them all, and then make sure that they're you know, on one property without interacting with people that haven't been tested and then keep them in that environment. And, and that is the best way to do it. Like that, that's the, the way to return to sports. Now, the problem is, you know, as I, as I just referenced, if there's not enough testing for the public, then you don't look great testing a bunch of athletes uh, to get sports back. That, that is a problem that you have to deal with, but uh, that's the way to go about it. And if that's the plan for the UFC, like I, I think that's, uh, that's something that they should talk about and they should, say something. I know the Florida Athletic Commission, the statement that I got from them, did not include any additional testing that they're worried about. Uh, so uh, the UFC will be doing that on their own if they're doing it. And, you know, we'll see uh, what, you know, what comes out of it and what exactly the plan is. Uh, I, that's going to be my first question to pretty much every fighter. Uh, you know, what was the protocol and how comfortable are you with it and uh, how close are you following what they've told you to do? Uh, the issue in Florida is that they're staying, you know, downtown by the arena. Um, so that's that's probably good that there's not a whole lot of, you know, you don't have to venture out much uh, among the city. But Florida is reopening, you know, some restaurants and some some different businesses. I think bars are still closed, but uh, they're reopening some things this week. So next week there will be the opportunity for guys if they want to venture out and leave the hotel, even if they're told not to, that they could, that they could walk around, that they could go to places. And then all of a sudden you're, you are taking additional chances. So uh, that's something to monitor as well. I think all of that is is worth talking about, and and I, it it does drive me nuts. The you know the Dana White, the less the media knows. Uh, I know I understand. Like he's trying to put an event on, and he thinks that the media got you know the better of of that event last time. That's not really what happened. I mean, it was political pressure uh, that was brought about on ESPN and Disney to not put that event on when everybody else in the state of California was supposed to stay home. Uh, it's kind of different now because they're going to a uh, they're going to a jurisdiction in Florida that has really been fighting against the stay at home orders and really been uh, at the forefront of open everything. So uh, they're not going to get any pressure from the state. They're certainly not going to get any pressure from the federal government, uh, being as Dana White and Donald Trump are close friends, and Donald Trump wants this to happen, uh, the president, because he uh, he thinks it's a sign that we're closer to getting back to normalcy. So they're not going to get resistance from the government in Florida 
or the federal government, they're going to be fine. It's, you know, it's more just, Hey, how are you going about this? And the job of the media is to tell stories that, you know, the people in power don't necessarily want to be told. And it's, it's insane to me that fans out there, uh, and you know, fans are one thing fighters too. And we, we talked to Eric Nixick, one of the uh, coaches that's going to be, you know, working with some fighters down in Florida. And, and, and he talked about it too, that, you know, when he looks out and, and the media is doing things like saying, hey, the fighters should be paid more money, and then fighters are lashing back and saying, like, you know, mind your own business. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> it, it doesn't even yeah. make any sense. Like, it, you're, you're trying to, you know, tell the public that, hey, listen, in most sports, this is the revenue split and the and MMA, uh, the UFC model. Like, this is what the split is. And it's a different model because the UFC has so many employees that they pay. They do everything in-house. And it's just a different model. So nobody's expecting them to pay you know, the 48% that other sports pay. Uh, but their numbers have been traditionally very, very low. And and a lot of that is the fact that there's no union. And when the when the media says, hey, there should be a fighter union, and fighters are like are striking back against that too. Like, it's, it's crazy. In, in this scenario, what the media has basically said is like, hey, w- we'd love to see fights, but we just want to make sure every, but everything is done with the fighter safety in mind. And like, and then fighters lashing back like you know stay out of it like i i will never understand that um but it's also kind of the culture that has has been curated in the ufc of of not speaking out against these kind of things and just kind of you know everybody's everybody's an individual and you don't worry about what other people make and that sort of thing and and the ufc has built it that way and to their credit a lot of fighters have have bought in others have spoken out and kind of rebelled against it but uh I, i don't see athletes in other sports sending out things like, you know, Dominic Reyes sent out today of basically questioning whether this is even a real, you know, disease. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what is that? Like, it's, it's very weird that, um, and you know, those people, those, those, that thinking is out there and I'm not diminishing that. I'm saying, I know that people out there think that way. You just don't see other athletes expressing that outwardly. And for whatever reason, a lot of UFC fighters believe that, you know, they're, kind of helping out the organization by spreading this kind of stuff around, which it's, it's baffling. Um, it, it's insane that fighters don't see that a lot of media members are fighting to get them more rights and more money and, and more safety. And they lash out against that, which I, I don't understand, but it's not going to stop me from doing my job. Well, I'm glad that it doesn't because we need you out there, Adam. And uh, you know, you are taking your own risks, whether people think that's laughable or not, you are going out there to be able to bring us the stories, to tell what's going to happen here with this event and the other two as well. Uh, aside from UFC 249 that are happening down there in Jacksonville. And it's something that this is what we do. You know, not a lot of people can laugh or make jokes about this or whatever and say like, oh yeah, it's so noble. But it, you know, it really is something that is a great personal risk to you. So, uh, man, we look forward to seeing what you do produce out of Jacksonville. And again, Adam and I will be reporting everything that we get from the virtual uh, media days to everything Adam gets with his boots down in Florida. So you guys will want to keep it tuned to reviewjournal.com for all of those articles and just hit that MMA slash UFC tab to find out what's going on there and as well as slash podcast reviewjournal.com slash podcast that's where you'll find every episode here of the ringside podcast as well as our others with hockey with football with the Raiders uh, and everything happening around town with podcasts so make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your shows we appreciate everyone out there for listening and we will be back next week <laughs>